This is Kendra Connor, worship leader at Christ Center Church, and you are listening to Christ Centered Cast. Tonight, I want to open the message by asking you all a question, um, asking you all to reflect on what the first thing you think of um, when you think about God. Just take a few seconds to think about that. Um, Just the first thing that comes to mind when you think about God. And if it is God's wrath, because you know that's what I'm going to be talking about, what's the second thing that comes to mind um, when you think about God? When I was studying this week, a lot of the things that people said that came to mind first, uh, first was his love. Uh, It was also his healing power, his peace. I don't know if these are some of the things that you thought of or if now you're like, oh, yeah, that is a good one. Um, I know personally I did not think about God's wrath first. That is not something that I thought of. And in a lot of my studying and just asking a few different people throughout the week, it was also not the first thing that they thought of. Uh, In... Having these discussions and reading different things, I actually found that a lot of people don't like to talk about God getting angry, and they don't like to talk about God's wrath. And I thought that that was interesting, and um, later on I'll share a little bit about a discussion board post that I had to do for school regarding that as well, but it made me really start thinking about it, and um, an author had said that we should really think about God's wrath more, actually in life. And I was like, what? No, that's, why would we want to think about God getting angry? Why would we want to think about God's wrath? And I came across a quote from A.W. Tozer that said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So thinking about what came to mind for you, do you agree with this? Do you agree that the first thing that popped into your head about God is the most important thing about you or the most important thing in your life? or even the most important thing for us as a church community. It's important to understand when thinking about God's wrath, since it is something that we should think about more, that his wrath is a divine wrath. His wrath is not like a wrath that you and I would feel. Ours would more so be a selfish anger, where God's is a divine anger. God's wrath is precise, and it is a precise and controlled response to disobedience and the belittling of his holiness. His anger, while we see in um, Psalm 103.8, is slow and not easily aroused, um, as he is always abounding in steadfast love, but his wrath is something that should be dreaded and not provoked. So I can see why we wouldn't want to think about his anger if it's something that we don't really want to... uh, necessarily deal with if it's to be dreaded. However, it's not just going to go away. The wrath of God is there. It is a divine wrath, and it is important that we don't forget it. Tonight we're going to look at a few different passages in Romans, and um, a background of Romans is that it was written by Paul to the church in Rome, and it was written to be instructional to believers and to provide direction, encouragement, and guidance for the believers both then and for us now. So while we're in Romans, we are going to see three things that happen 
when we forget about God's wrath. We're going to start in Romans 5, as Pastor Sam read, to start um, our service today. And the first thing that we see that happens when we forget God's wrath is that we weaken the message. And that message is what we celebrated last weekend of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And by forgetting God's wrath, we are weakening that message. So let's take a look at Romans 5, 6 through 10. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So we see right off the bat in verse 6 that Paul is telling us that while we were still weak, while we were still sinners, while we were ungodly, Christ chose to die for each of us. He didn't do anything to deserve it, but he chose to do that for each of us. And we see in verse 8, um, I was telling Kendra and Pastor Sam before that all of the commentaries I were reading were talking about how verse 7 seems to be kind of all over the place. Like Paul was trying to explain something but didn't know how to explain it. It says, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even, or one would dare even to die. And now Paul is kind of comparing the fact that Christ chose to die for us when we didn't deserve it, and there aren't many people that would die for a good person or a righteous person. But Christ made that decision for each of us. And we see in verse 8, again, Paul repeats that God shows his love for us while we were still sinners, while we were ungodly, he died for us. And this is that... Um, abounding steadfast love that I talked about at the beginning. God's wrath and his love um, go hand in hand in a way. In verse 9, we see Pastor Sam's, one of his favorite words, therefore, he always asks, what's therefore, therefore? So now that we know that we were sinners, um, we were weak, Christ died for us, Christ died for the un ungodly, what does that mean? And we see that that means once we have accepted Christ as our Savior, we have been justified in his blood. We have become righteous. We have become new because of his blood. And because of that, because we've accepted Christ, because we've become new, we have been saved from the wrath of God. And when we share our testimonies or we're witnessing to someone or we're just sharing about the gospel message, and we leave that fact out, we leave out the fact that we've been saved from the wrath of God. We don't deserve to spend eternity with God. We're weakening the message. We're just kind of skipping over that point of, yes, this divine wrath is very real, and it can be scary, and we weaken the message when we don't talk about it. This passage ends by talking about how um, it says, Verse 10, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So verse, eight, uh, verse 10 
is basically saying if we were considered enemies and God chose to send his son to die for us, how amazing is it that now that we are reconciled in him, he has saved our lives so that we can spend eternity with him. A few weeks ago for my class, I had to do a discussion board post. I'm in a systematic theology class. It started out very rough for me, um, but it's gotten better. And one of the discussion board posts, we got to choose between two prompts. I chose the second one, and it was about the song in Christ Alone. And I was actually shocked by the prompt because I did not realize that that song is actually banned in some churches. And I thought that was really interesting, and I didn't understand why. And it is because of the line, the wrath of God was satisfied. So I wanted to look into it a little more. I talked to Kendra about it um, a little bit after C3 one day because she leads worship. So she probably knows more songs than I do and hymns than I do um, in some ways, but I just thought it would be interesting to hear her perspective on it as well. And the discussion board post came with an article, and the article only focused on that one line. It didn't focus on any other of the lines around it. So I chose to look at the context of the line. And the verse that it is in says, In Christ alone who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. So in context, it is just giving the message. It is giving the message of Christ came to earth. He was a baby, and he was a gift to all of us. He was scorned by those that he um, walked the earth with. He died on the cross for us, and when he died on the cross, it made it so we did not have to deal with the wrath of God because every sin was laid on him. And the more I was looking at the song, that last line here in the death of Christ I live uh, made me think about verse 10 more and made me realize that when I do talk about my life and I do share my testimony, I don't really talk about that, that because of the death of Christ um, I live and I don't have to face the wrath of God someday. So we see that it's one thing to be saved from God's wrath. But it's another thing to live this way. The second thing we see that happens when we forget God's wrath is that we exploit God's grace. So if we can uh, turn over to Romans 6, 1 and 2, these verses say, What shall we say then? Are we to continue to live in sin that grace may abound? By no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Paul was addressing the believers at this time and believers today that continue to live in sin, continue to live a life that is not new after they have accepted Christ as their Savior. They accept Christ and then they kind of just carry on with the way that they were living. But when Jesus died on the cross, it was a death to sin, 
for all of us so that we could become new. We would put on our old selves or put off our old selves and put on our new selves. And that should be reflected in the way that we live. Paul asks, what shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin that grace may abound? There were people then and there are people now that believe that once they have accepted Christ, Christ's forgiveness is always going to be there, which is true, and his grace is always going to be there, but they believe that that is a, a reason for them to continue living in sin and living in the way that they are because they know that God is going to forgive them. And in that way, that is exploiting God's grace. Paul answers his question of are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound by saying, by no means. Um, in a few other translations, it said... Uh, certainly not, absolutely not, I perish the thought. Um, Paul is just appalled that um, people would continue to live this way, that they would accept Christ and then not change how, the, how they're living. The verses following these two um, talk about how the death of Christ was the death of sin for us. Um, and when we accept Christ as our Savior, our relationship with sin permanently changes, and that should be reflected in our lives. The people in our lives should see a difference there. They should see a light in us, something different about us, with the way we react to situations, the way that we um, present ourselves. Paul is reminding us that why would we continue to live in sin if we've already died to sin by accepting Christ as our Savior. So we see that when we forget God's wrath, we weaken the message, we exploit God's grace, and the third and final thing that happens when we forget God's wrath is that we tend to focus on our own wrath. If we flip over to Romans 12, We will be looking at verses 17 through 21. And the verses prior to this talk about rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourning with those who mourn and living in harmony with one another. And we're going to pick up at verse 17. Romans 12, 17 says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So the first thing we see that Paul is telling us is to not repay evil for evil. And he is telling us to give thought to, what, um, to do what is honorable in the sight of all. So when we are angry, when we are frustrated with something, we shouldn't get angry back at that person or that situation or somebody that might not even be involved in the situation. You're just lashing out in anger. But Paul is telling us to give thought to do what is honorable. And when he says in the sight of all, he is talking about in the sight of God and in the sight of man. 
that kind of goes back to the second point where people should see that you're responding differently to anger. People should see that you're living a different life, that you are choosing to do what is honorable in the sight of all. I thought it was interesting that verse 18 starts with the words, if possible. Um, because that shows that it's not always easy to live um, honorable in the sight of all or to live peaceably with all. So he says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And I really just appreciated the honesty there of Paul that it's not always going to be possible to live honorably with others. And it's not always going to be possible to live peaceably with everyone around us, but it's something that we should strive to do. In verse 19, it says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So we see here that Paul is telling us not to repay evil for evil, to do what is honorable, to live at peace with others, and then he is reminding us to not avenge ourselves, to not lash out in anger, but to leave it to God, leave it to the wrath of God. For as it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And this is just a reminder, a good reminder about everything in our lives, not just when we're angry, that God is in control. God's hand is in everything that we do, whether we don't always see it, but he is in control, and in those moments where we don't know how to handle our emotions, whether they're anger or happiness, whatever they may be, God is in control of that, and he knows how to get you through it, and he will handle everyone else that is involved as well. Verse 20 says, to the contrary, so instead of avenging yourself, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. So Paul is basically saying, hey, you should try to actually make your enemy your friend. And we see in Matthew um, that we're called to love our enemies and pray for those that persecute us. And Paul is just giving us other examples of if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. He follows that up for saying, for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. And this um, actually comes from a old Egyptian ritual where when somebody was repenting publicly, they would do so with a um, pot or a basin of some sort with burning charcoals in it. And that is how they would repent. So he is basically saying, that you should love your enemies, love your neighbors so much that they realize that how they've been treating you or what they did was wrong, and they turn to repentance. They turn to forgiveness from you. They turn to forgiveness from God. And that is what Paul is telling us here. This passage ends by saying, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And that phrase, overcome evil with good, I think is much easier said than done sometimes. Depending on the situation, depending on your life circumstances, sometimes it's easier just to be upset and angry about things. And um, we actually talked in class, uh, our C3 class, on Thursday night. Um, at the end of every class, Pastor Sam or Kendra um, talk with the students about a fruit of the spirit, um, a Bible passage, we talked about Easter, we talked about Good Friday, but this past Thursday we talked about anger. And 
we asked the students what makes them angry. And the answers ranged from their chores, having to do chores made them angry. Um, having to, well, not getting to play when they wanted to. I think the biggest one that resonated with a lot of the instructors was the student that said having to wake up early made him angry. <laughs> um, but they were all giving us answers about what made them angry. And Pastor Sam then asked them what the appropriate way to deal with that anger would be. How do we deal with that anger? And a few of them listed Bible verses, actually. They talked about how we are to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Um, don't let the sun go down while you're angry. And we talked about how it's okay to feel anger as long as you process it properly. As long as you aren't being overcome by it and reacting in a way that is not good or honorable or living at peace with others. And it was just a really good conversation to have with these students of all ages and to be able to hear from them um, because no matter what age you're at, something is going to make you angry. And it's important to know how to deal with that and how to process that. So we see that when we forget God's wrath, sometimes it's easy for us to focus on our own and to forget that God is in control and that he will um, repay, as he says, uh, in this passage. So now that we see these three things that happen when we forget God's wrath, we see that we weaken the message, we see that we exploit God's grace, and we see that sometimes we focus on our own. Maybe one of those specifically stood out to you about your life, about what happens when you possibly forget God's wrath. The first thing I want you to think about is to think about your testimony. When was the last time you shared it with someone? And when you did, did you leave out the details of being saved from God's wrath? Did you weaken the message? This week, I want you to think about someone that you can share your testimony with, and I want you to try your hardest not to leave the wrath of God out. It's important for us to not weaken the message and to share with others what we have been saved from. The second thing I want us to think about is if we've exploited God's grace. We see in Ephesians um, 2, 8, and 9 that it is by God's grace that we've been saved through faith, and it was a gift from him. So we are exploiting God's gift to us. We are exploiting that grace. Spend some time with God, thanking him for this grace, and if necessary, asking him for forgiveness for exploiting it. And lastly, when was the last time that you were overtaken by your own wrath, that you reacted in a way that wasn't honorable and that wasn't living at peace with those around you? Ask the Holy Spirit to prompt you to overcome evil with good in those situations. And to help you to remember that no matter what the situation is, everything is in God's hands. Let's pray. 
God, we thank you for your wrath and the place that it plays in the message, in the gospel, in saving each of us, God. I pray that you will help us to remember your wrath more. I pray that you will bring it to our minds more when we're sharing um, about you or when the opportunity comes up, but we don't know if we should take it, God. I pray that you will help us to not weaken the message. I pray that you will help us to really thank you for the grace that you've given us and for sending your son to die for us. So all of this is even possible, God. I pray that you will help us to live in a way that is honorable and at peace with those around us. And I just pray that you will help us to be prompted when we are angry to remember to overcome evil with good, to be kind to those that might persecute us or make us angry, God. I pray that you will help us all to live in a way that is different um, than those in society so that people can see you through us. And I just pray all of this in your name. Amen. Thank you all for coming tonight. Um, I hope that we will see you next week. Thank you for listening. Check back next week for the continuation of Me Evangelism. God bless.